0: Hey, John, how you doing? What you been up to lately, John? Yeah, I'm talking to you. You're wondering, how is he doing this? Well, John, I've been watching you. Okay, this is getting creepy. That was for all the Johns out there. Um, If you're not a John, I'm very sorry that you didn't get to experience what all the Johns just potentially did, but that was fun. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. If this is your first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. This week's episode is brought to you by Patchworks in Seattle, our lovely synth shop. You would think after doing this show for over three years, I could talk But it's amazing how many takes I have to do to do this. It's a little peek behind the curtain. But if you would like an extra peek behind the curtain, look at this. I'm already going into my Patreon, and I haven't even finished my patchwork. See, this is the type of professionalism that you get when you come to Podular Modcast. Are you confused? Yeah, we're a minute and 16 in, and (laughs) this has gone completely off the rails. So let me start over. This episode is brought to you by Patchwork Seattle, our lovely synth shop here in the Northwest. They just moved to a new location that is amazing. I'm so excited for them and I'm so excited to see what kind of events that are gonna happen in this new space because it's so much bigger. Um, Just an awesome showroom floor. You could really spend a lot of time in there and uh, a lot of money too if, if if you had it and you wanted to. God, that would be fun. How I just sometimes imagine, like what if I just had like $10,000 that I had to go spend at a synth shop? Well, I would go straight to Patchworks or Patchworks.com if I wasn't in the Seattle area. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. I also want to take a moment to thank all my Patreon subscribers. You really, you really uh, help to keep things going over here. And I haven't been doing that good of a job of trying to attract more Patreon subscribers. So here is my attempt to do that. I'm doing bonus episodes. I'm starting to bring the modular into the bonus episodes. Just published one last week where I walked you through how I build a patch um, for one of my remote performances, kind of just like a oh, th- if I was going to do it today, this is what I would do. Um, and it was really fun. And then also, I'm thinking, if you if you are a patron and you want to download any of my albums, um, I th- I'm trying to figure out the best way to get you all download codes. Because if I just print a list of download codes, well, then you won't know which ones have been used. Um, and I don't I don't want to in- individually email, you know, 100-plus people download codes. But if you want anything off of self-center records or uh, anything that I've made, I can send you download codes. Um, in fact, you could get this... This EP that this track that you're listening to is uh you can get that downloaded. It's it's my Yellowstone EP. As I was performing what you're hearing right now, there was a bison behind me rolling around in dust, and there's a video of that on YouTube. Um but now I'm getting off I'm getting off topic. Um head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here. Um I would greatly appreciate it. I've got some ideas that I wanna do. I want to take the show to the next level, and Patreon is going to be the avenue through which I'm able to do that. So if you're, uh, if you're already helping out, thank you. If you helped out in the past, thank you. And if you're thinking about helping out now, well, I'd, I would like to thank you for even thinking about it. Is that pandery? Maybe, but it's true. I am rambling. Let's get into this episode. Hello and welcome back to Popular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week we are talking, This week we are talking with Arc Ray, who has just released a new album on Mystery Circles, um, and it's on vinyl. And I believe it is the first um, vinyl release on Mystery Circles that is just one artist. I think there's been some seven-inch stuff, some splits, um, and then some compilations, but this is the first full-length LP released on Mystery Circles, and it's called Primitive, and it is absolutely amazing. There's also cassette, or there's the digital version. And we're gonna talk all about Morgan, aka Arc Ray's uh, process, and where he grew up, and and how he approached this album. But before we get into that, I have some news for you. I'm going camping this weekend! Okay, I know that's not really news. But the only news I have is kind of bad news. So I didn't want to lead with that. So I thought I'd talk about some cool shit first and then give you the bad news. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go camping. Um, I'm going to bring my synth along, of course, my battery-powered synth. I'm going to try to do a cool uh, remote performance. And what I'm going to try to do, I don't know if it'll turn out, um, but I'm going to try to do like a a making of video um, for the Patreon. I'm looking for all sorts of new ways to make the Patreon more engaging. Um, And I'm open to your ideas, so if you have some, send them my way. Um, I'm going to get in the Chehalis River. I've never been in the Chehalis River before, and I'm very excited about that. And I'm going to say it again. It's the third week in a row. If you haven't gotten a body of water, go get in a body of water, full submersion, before... The summer's end okay now on to the bad news the south seattle synth Explosion, or the south seattle synth shindig whichever i was going to eventually call it the show that i was going to be throwing on september 4th in the south park neighborhood of seattle is no longer happening due to the delta variant I just feel a little better about not being the person that's throwing the event that's going to congregate a bunch of people in a closed space as COVID numbers rise. Anyways, let's turn this ship around and get back on a positive subject. Let's talk to Arc Ray. So, so where did you grow up then?
1: In France, uh, in a kind of small town in the, in the middle of the country. It's called Clermont-Ferrand. It's like, okay. mm, like an hour away from Lyon. I guess you could maybe know Lyon. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: It's a pretty small town. Um, there's a lot of music, though. I mean, they used yeah. to, at least. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's still the case, but, uh, yeah.
0: What kind of music was going on in your town growing up?
1: Oh, back then? Uh, mostly, like, rock, metal, stuff like that. But pretty uh, pretty good stuff, actually. Mm, there's many bands, or there used to be many bands that I really, really enjoyed. Some of them were, are still, like, my favorite uh, stuff to listen to. Um, I'm not sure why it, it's like this, and if it's still the case, because I've been away for for a while. But uh, yeah, there used to be really really cool bands there.
0: Was it uh, just like a local scene, or was it stuff that actually like broke out of uh, and got like, you know, national or international attention?
1: Mm, mostly a local scene, I guess. But okay, like, that's cool. For some reason, it was really good. Like the, the quality was you know, pretty cool
0: that's awesome and you grew up in that town so you like had a cool thriving music scene around you growing up
1: yeah and i'm sure it has to do with me still making music to this day i guess that's Definitely. Pretty much how i got started when when you see all these people around you making great stuff and inspiring uh music just playing gigs and stuff you just want to do the same i guess when you're 16 or something
0: yeah there's something about like uh that that um camaraderie or, or uh community that yeah like, yeah you know like i there, there's a. I feel like there's a point for every musician where they go from, um, you know, listener to uh, active participant. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, was there a moment in your childhood or youth where, that that switch just flipped and you and you decided, oh, this is what I want to do, or was it kind of gradual?
1: Mm, good question. Um, I think it was kind of gradual, though. I uh, think I picked up a guitar, started playing with it and just little by little got involved with some people who were into the same things. And uh, yeah, so as I said, there's, there were quite a few people already making music and forming bands, and some of them pretty bad. And it doesn't matter at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And you just, <laughs> uh, you just get involved with them. And little by little, you find cool people you, you like playing with. And yeah, you end up playing in bands, some of them more or less successful. I mean, I think it was kind of a gradual process. And I, I got into electronic music pretty late, like i don't know I was already around twenty two or something like this i'm thirty three yeah now.
0: I did too. I was actually older i was i think i was twenty six or twenty seven before I really started yeah. and like getting I, i'd always thought electronic music was well where I grew up it was kind of like um you would be like my my group of friends would would make fun of you, you <laughs> exactly, like yeah,
1: music. yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I guess you are into metal and stuff,
0: yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, I was into metal and punk, and I feel like especially when you're young and you're into metal and punk you you're not you're not allowed to say that you like anything else, like of course, we <laughs> yeah. all liked our yeah, yeah. we all liked hip hop and r and b and some country songs and stuff but we weren't allowed to say it out loud, so we had to listen to that stuff in secret. Um. Yeah,
1: but I feel like there's a, there's like a logical path, though, when you're into metal. Like, you, the next logical step is getting into, like, kind of weird electronic music, like, I'll take her, totally. stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, there's I still s- a lot of people that. that I know that uh, used to be into metal, or actually still are. I am still into metal, actually. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there's, like, this logical path. But, of course, it's not, like... The electronic music that you were referring to a few minutes ago—it's just more w- weird—and and I guess yeah. that's okay.
0: Yeah, I think I think it was part of partially metal that that paved the way for me to get into more obscure music, but and yeah. also weirdly enough, um, kind of absurd comedy as well <laughs> helped helped me get into it. Um, What's the link there? I think it's just being open-minded to like when once you see and hear weird stuff that's mm-hmm. unusual over and over again and then start appreciating it the next time yeah. you hear something or see something that is to you that is initially strange or off putting you know that there might be something to it so you give it more of a chance yeah that's cool yeah yeah. i, I think there's something there i think also maybe so the, the connection with metal and uh or at least like Doom and black metal, the connection to electronic music is, I mean, let's be honest, you can make way scarier and heavier sounding stuff with a modular <laughs> synth than you can with guitars and bass. <laughs> yeah, true,
1: true. But also, I think there's the, the enjoyment of maybe not liking something in the first place and just putting in some work, you know, like until you yeah. start appreciating it. And little by little, it's like this gradual process, like you were saying, where you just start enjoying more and more like weird things, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like five years after you're like, like oh, that.
1: yeah. That was actually pretty easy listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I've got to the point now where I can listen to, you know, like Sun or, um, <laughs> you know, some really heavy electronic stuff as a way to relax, which is <laughs> yeah, is kind of cool. cool. It's it's an interesting barrier to break. And I think even getting into that kind of stuff, now we're gonna go way, way off here, but like listening to a storm, I can, al- I can almost mm. just lay and listen to the wind whipping around and, and just pretend I'm listening to an album and really enjoy that. Mm. I mean, it does sound great, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's why so many people are into field recording, right? Yeah, true. So you, played, you started playing guitar. Well like, how old were you when you started playing guitar?
1: Oh, good question, man. I never think about stuff like this. I guess around f- 15, something like this.
0: Okay. Like, yeah. And was it to play in metal bands? Was that, like the, was that your primary?
1: Yeah, I was definitely into rock and metal and like emo and stuff like this. Uh-huh. Just little by little, got into more extreme metal, then jazz, and then electronic music. I think that's pretty much how it went down. But initially I was really into uh, punk and metal, just like you, and mm-hmm. I still am.
0: Yeah, it's fun I just got this, uh, this role-playing, like a tabletop role-playing game called uh, Merc Borg, I think it's called, have you mm-hmm. heard of this?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: It's, it's, they describe it as a doom metal album of a game and all of the <laughs> okay. artwork, it's like a book and it has the oh. backstory of this world and the rules and stuff in this book. And it's like this really cool art and uh, nice. it's actually making me listen to metal again. Because there's like a playlist on Spotify that's made for it, so I'm like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm getting into metal again. It's funny how it like cycles like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I'm not super familiar with like the most recent bands and stuff, but there are still pretty, pretty good things being made in this, in this genre. I think
0: Mm -hmm. it's, it's been evolving. It's hard to find for me. I feel like it's like horror movies and sci-fi movies. Like Mm -hmm. most of it, I don't like, but when I find something I do like, it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, same. I mean, I'm not saying that any metal band is good. I think it's still something that you have to look for and look for the specific things that you enjoy, maybe more like uh, polyrhythmic stuff or maybe more melodic stuff. I'm definitely more into more abstract metal, more like with rhythmic weird rhythmic patterns and stuff like that, like Meshuggah, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that, than melodic metal. I never really enjoyed melodic metal for some reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, some of like the... I, I did when I was younger, but I think something like the screaming and just like, just, you know, like a, a lot of the American heavy metal. I'm not so yeah. into, I, I, I much prefer like some of like the Swedish stuff and all that. Oh, um, like that. i just, I mean, I just really like the dark, like wall of sound kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I see what you mean.
0: But, uh, That's cool. I mean, I, I can already hear some of the listeners groaning, being like, "This is a modular podcast yeah, talking yeah, about sorry, metal." Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk about. <laughs> no, it's it. not my even fault. Sure I'm just why we like were about this. I'm kind of like in the, <laughs> I'm like in a metal headspace lately, so I just want to talk about it. But yeah, um, cool. so when do you make the transition, and like, and and what does that look like to making kind of like solo electronic music? What was the first? Was it through computers or synths or?
1: Yeah, definitely computers. I'm I'm a computer guy, and yeah. sti- I'm still uh, the same. But uh, now I can just afford a few nice hardware s- things. But uh, I'm definitely a computer guy, and I'll, I'll I could definitely get rid of all my stuff and just make music in the computer without mm-hmm. any problem. But it's nice to have all these things around and just uh, play with them once in a while, I guess. Uh, but the transition. Uh, it's kind of like what you were saying. I was playing in bands and electronic music wasn't really a thing for most of my friends, but somehow I had an interest in it, just discovered Artaker and stuff like that, and I wanted to see if I could maybe do something like this myself. And I kept it as like my little island on the side, you know, my like, solo project that I was uh, doing once in a while. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I just kept pushing it. And I, I made some EPs and albums under different names but uh, mostly with the computer i have to say and i don't know in 2016 i think i started uh, putting my rack together this uh, this eurorack and uh, mm-hmm. yeah i've been filling it ever since but um, on my on my music that i actually release on in ep and albums there's of course there's a bit of eurorack and stuff but not so much as I, I mostly use it for like jams on on instagram stuff like this Okay. Or like sound design projects and stuff.
0: Do you ever sample it and then bring it into the computer and then use it in that way?
1: Yeah, I think that's the most fun way to use it, and like the most, uh, at least for me, the most productive way. Like I just record a bunch of random stuff, and then I try to make sense of it in in Ableton. With like, uh, yeah. what I love doing is recording some some jams, random stuff putting the the wave in a couple of uh, drum rack cells and then you know try to pick a start point that's fun and just try to mess with that in a more like rhythmical way you know stuff mm-hmm. like this That's usually how I start my tracks actually
0: that's how that's what was my that was my intention getting into uh, Eurorack that's what I wanted to do because everything yeah. that I had made. I would sample I would do that but with just hardware gear. I would make stuff and then I'd record it all and then I'd chop it up in Ableton. Yeah. And then I got into Eurorack and I just completely stopped doing anything but Eurorack. Um, oh. and I think that's because I wanted to like see how far I could go with it. Um, but now I just recently got an MPC one yeah. and I'm gonna try to go back to that because I'm just I'm I'm tired of not being able to play, you know, longer than twenty minutes. <laughs> mm, it's yeah. just you know, you, it's you need hard more variation in your set yeah exactly yeah and yeah. there's just some there's so many cool sounds that i've made that aren't necessarily like a great like full piece of music but the sound itself is really good so i'm like yeah. well why don't i just record that and start building a sample library out of it because yeah. you really like you said with sound design stuff you can just it's the best machine for that
1: yeah also what i really like I'm not saying that you could not do this in the computer. Actually, I was doing this a bit with Reactor and stuff like this. But it's like the the non-linearity of things. I usually, I don't even have a sequencer actually in my rack. It's mostly Mm -hmm. just events happening and pinging each other. That's kind of how
0: I do it too, yeah.
1: I think it's the most interesting way to to use it, actually.
0: Yeah, I feel like once I bring a sequencer in, I'm like, well, why don't I just do this in a piano roll editor? you know like yeah
1: exactly i mean sometimes i do use a sequencer i have the sorry i have the analog 4 from electron which is mm-hmm. one of the best urox sequencers. Surprisingly, i think uh, it's like right there when i need it but i don't really use it for for that it's just uh i don't know yeah you're right it's it becomes a bit uh, static when you start using a classic sequencer
0: yeah. I it's mean, I more, know people out there who use sequencers way beyond just, you know, uh, gate sequencing for drums and, and melodic stuff. I know, I know there's a whole world to be explored there, but it's just not really a path that I'm super interested. I'm way more interested yeah. in like how, what you were talking is creating events and, and kind of yeah. setting stuff up almost like dominoes and being like, okay, what's going to yeah, happen Yeah, exactly. Cascade? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a yeah, good image, and with probability here and there, and some randomness, and let's see mm-hmm. what happens. You know, I mm-hmm. think the, I don't know if it's the best way, but for me, it's definitely the the most fun way to do it. Well, that's the thing.
0: best. That's the that's the greatest thing about this tech this technology or format is there's no best yeah. way. You know, like yeah. I've got three different cases in front of me, and they're completely different instruments. Like I'm gonna I would get completely different things out of each three. You know, because okay, yeah, I have them set up for different things you know that, and that's yeah. and I my case because I, tr- I try to be as portable as possible so my case is constantly changing because I'm just using seven u so I never have the same <laughs> instrument yeah. which is kind of bad because you never get super proficient at your one instrument
1: yeah so. but that's why like when I started I knew that it could become like this black hole of uh <laughs> you know, like getting stuff and never stopping. And mm-hmm. I decided to just buy this 6U uh, case, and it's pretty small, and just stick to that, and never expand. And when I, I want to buy something new or try a new module, I have to sell something. So I, I only have, I think, two modules laying around, and that's it. Every time oh, I bring something yeah. in, I have to sell something. And I can't So you don't
0: get that, like that gear acquisition syndrome they call gas you don't get that like i need to buy all the stuff no
1: no not really actually i mean i really try to be reasonable because first of all i don't have a lot of space here and i just don't like when things are left unused you know most yeah. of the stuff that i have here in my in my little studio i use regularly if i don't use it regularly i just sell it
0: yeah yeah that's that's i try to like if if i don't use something for 6 months then I know it's, you know, (laughs) although sometimes I totally switch what I want to do approach-wise, but that's a whole other story. You mean like Um,
1: from live oriented setup to more like sound designing?
0: Yep, exactly. And then from like, Lately is I've been, uh, you know, t- samplers and no oscillators, oh. but I'm not going to get rid of my oscillators because I know this isn't going to be forever, but lately I'm just like, and then I've, I went from sampling into just processing external sounds, you know, like, Oh yeah. I get kind of obsessed with one idea and then try to take it as far as I can. Um,
1: yeah. I have to say, I gave up the idea of performing live a long time ago. <laughs> I think I tried oh, really? once <laughs> when, I, when I finished my case, maybe in 2017, something like this. I, I played once to this weird jam and it was horrible. Like the the typical thing, like oscillators bumped out of tune, like all the, the problems that you could imagine from a Eurorack setup, they uh-huh. actually happen. Also, you don't really hear yourself. You, you get lost in your patch because I, I make like messy patches with a lot of cables. Yeah, you just yeah. get lost and i was like okay that's not for me and my rack is definitely for studio use yeah.
0: <laughs> but you play live other than euro rack
1: yeah yeah but like with electrons and my octatrack and i make guitar loops and stuff it's like uh-huh. way more controlled or at least for okay. me.
0: okay do you play guitar live then like you make yeah, live yeah, loops yeah okay.
1: actually before covid i started this new thing that i wanted to do um i I played a bunch of a few sets where I, I prepared everything and I had all those patterns and stuff and it was fun but I couldn't really get this feeling that you have when you play in a band for example, when you when you play a gig. and then mm-hmm. I was like, Pff, I don't know if this is for me so I'll just maybe try something else and I decided to just play fully improvised gigs where I just show up and I don't know what I'm gonna do and just have the octatrack track mm-hmm. and uh, maybe one synth and the guitar and just create loops from scratch on the fly. And it was really fun. I had actually, I enjoyed that way more than my prepared set, you know, but then COVID happened. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess it will be fun for this year or next year.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because I know that feeling that you're talking about when you're playing with a band and it's something that I, I can't get with just a Euro rack set. And I think that's another reason I wanted to bring the MPC into it so I could have some some buttons, so I actually feel like I'm physically playing something and not just no. like wrangling stuff.
1: Yeah, it's also about the fact that everything's kind of prepared, like your patterns are chained together and you know exactly what's going to happen. Of course, you can play with a few things, but it's not the same as when you're in a band and you're just playing your parts and you feel the energy. Of mm-hmm. course, you know what's coming because you know your parts, but you just have to play them constantly <laughs> in real time, right? That's no, it's kind of different. But yeah. improvising and making loops without really knowing what you're doing is kind of risky. It's fun, yeah. especially on the Octatrack, because there's no undo, so that's, that's a problem. <laughs> if you fuck up, you yeah, that's it. You gotta go <laughs>
0: with it, yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of, that kind of makes me wonder how much of the title of your album comes into this. Because like, I was thinking there's a primitive part of us that, mm. that really you know, connects with the physicality of playing music. Yeah, and oh, like yeah. you're playing your part on a guitar or a drum, the the, the actual physical motion and yeah. interfacing with another thing, you know, sounds yeah. like that's very important to you.
1: Very, and especially the guitar. I mean, it's so hard. I've been playing for, yeah, I don't even know now, since I'm 15 years old, so pretty long time. But uh, and I play a lot. Like I practice a lot, and. I, I'm okay like I I can play some pretty cool stuff but Mm -hmm. I still struggle like on basic things like sometimes playing uh I don't know some arpeggios very cleanly or you know it's Mm -hmm. it's such a struggle and it has to do with the physicality of it like you can practice an hour every day and still sometimes be in a bad day and just mess up your your playing and not be super clean or have some ghost notes here and there and you know it's so hard and Mm -hmm. I like that it's like uh yeah, it's it's a never-ending task, I guess. Just practicing this.
0: Yeah, it's like um, it's like if you feel yourself, you know, starting to, you know, play sloppy. You can there's a there's a part in your brain you can try to go to to be like, okay, I know my arm's getting tired, but I only have yeah. four more measures. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. get
0: it together. But you can't really do that with with a mess of wires. You know, you have to be like, you have to stay analytical and and try to like exactly. Really troubleshoot in real time, which <laughs> exactly. is totally yeah, a different, yeah. a t- totally different part of your brain. Yeah. Um, You're so it's almost really like an well. athletic it's troubleshooting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Troubleshooting versus like, g- like reaching down into that, that weird yeah. prim- primordial thing in your body to give yourself the, that extra physical push.
1: Yeah, and the worst things with those machines is when they start behaving weirdly, like out of nowhere of course right before your set or during your set and they, <laughs> yeah. they worked fine for six months you know when you were rehearsing and suddenly uh-huh. something weird. it happened to me a couple of times and that's also why i decided to just stop preparing sets because it's too stressful when things go wrong
0: yeah especially yeah because if you if you have an idea and you're like this is what's going to happen i kind of had something like that happen when i went to new york just a few weeks ago i had built this set mm-hmm. a few days before and I liked it, but I had I'd switched out my main mixer for a smaller mixer that I Ooh. didn't fully understand. And yeah. by the time I got to the the venue, I didn't do that thorough of a sound check because I was like, ah, oh, it's probably fine. I didn't want to I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. appear to be difficult, and uh, mm. and it just it did not sound the same. I my drums were like not there, and then my it was just all my levels were completely off and. Halfway through, I kind of ditched my plan and just said, you know, decided to see what I could do with what was happening rather than do what I had planned. Yeah,
1: Yeah, sometimes that's best. You just have to adapt and just forget about your initial plan, I guess.
0: Which if, if you pull it off and you do something really cool with that, then that is exciting and that can be very thrilling. But if you don't, it really, it it really sucks and you're really bummed about it.
1: (laughs) But with with your rack, I don't know. It's, it's not super flexible. It's really hard to like tune everything and it's easy to, to bump something out of tune or do some, something Mm. unexpected that sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, some people do it really well, but I gave up on this idea a long time ago. (laughs) It's way easier to use like electrons and stuff when you want to play gigs. It's way easier, but it's not yeah. as fun, I guess.
0: My problem with that kind of stuff is, um, I uh, it's so hard for me to take the time to to learn it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, you know, trying to learn this MPC one, but it's yeah. I, I just hate having to watch YouTube videos and try to go oh, through yes, a same. menu to learn how to do stuff and then take the time to prepare everything. Like I don't enjoy any of that process, but once it's done I really enjoy doing doing it. But so I think that's another reason that I liked Eurac so much is I could plug it in. If I didn't like it, I just rip it out and try and just start over and it's it's kinda instant. I think I'm just a little ADHD mm. for for <laughs> yeah computer music
1: Uh, to be fair though like my analog four, I learned it inside out before playing a gig because I I knew I wanted to use it and I didn't want anything weird to happen so I read the manual I don't know how many times and just yeah try to master everything and now I know it really well and it was only because I had this gig and like this deadline and I'm kind of like you I would be like just playing around and uh, improvising on it. But when you have a gig, I was like, no, no, I need to kind of know what's going on here and just spend it, spend the time, you know, just a few hours. Yeah. There's something
0: about musicians who need, we need those kind of deadlines or we we won't get anything done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm like that too.
0: Same thing with an album. You know, I know people who, who have material for an album, but they just don't have an outside force like a, Uh, Hmm. like a label or a release date that they've publicly announced to keep them (laughs) on track, you know?
1: For the albums, though, I'm kind of different. I just make tracks, and when I have a a whole bunch of them that I think make sense together and are are okay, then I'm ready to release it, you know? I I don't really have deadlines for the albums most of the time. They just happen, you know?
0: Well, so something, one thing I really noticed about your your recent release with Mystery Circles, which I love the album art, by the way. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. great. It's pretty really cool. Um, it's the uh, it's there's something that I really value in a full length album, um, and that is like it being cohesive, like it all mm-hmm. sounds like it came from the same maybe yeah. the same emotional yeah. zenith or or the same time period. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you used a lot of the same gear. It, I mean, it really sounds like it could be one long track that kind of just <laughs> yeah. morphs. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm just wondering about like, what was the process of making this album? How much of like, how much was emotionally driven? Was there anything in particular that was kind of your, your muse or influence for this? Cause it sounds like a cohesive piece.
1: Thanks. Uh, I'm really glad you noticed because it's very important for me, actually. And um, mm-hmm. I know people um, today just listen to playlists and stuff or just random tracks put together, but I'm still like kind of old school. I listen to albums like from start to finish always. Me too. And yeah. yeah, that's very important for me. And when I when I make a release, it could be an EP, it could be an album. It's really important that it comes with this like universe or this sound or this personality whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and makes sense and is cohesive like you say Uh, so i would never put something out that doesn't feel like this at least for me Um, and usually when i start i just have a rough like abstract idea i mean in my head it's very clear but it's always impossible to describe but i have this feeling or this type of sound or this like universe that i would i would like to explore and i just try and make tracks that sound like this (laughs) and when Uh i have enough tracks boom that's an album but when you talk about
0: this sorry when you talk about this this universe that you're like do you have like specific melodic or like tonal ideas or is it more of just kind of like a feeling that you're going for it's a
1: bit of both actually sometimes i have like very precise ideas like a rhythmic pattern all stuff like this all your melody uh, sometimes it's like technical ideas like hey i could use uh this like my shape shifter and do this with this module or whatever and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like you say more a, a feeling just something you want to try and express through sound which i guess is pretty hard but mm-hmm. sometimes yeah it, it can happen
0: uh, yeah. don't you like there's no better feeling than completely nailing that like this is what i feel i don't know what the sound is going to be but i want this feeling to become sound and there's just there's been a handful of times i've done that and been like this is exactly what i feel like the way this sounds and it's quite
1: hard and when you think about it it's so so abstract (laughs) it's so abstract like
0: yeah yeah it's just a feeling that you put
1: into something even more abstract which is sound it's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. and only you really knows what it's about i guess
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so going into this one, sorry, I interrupted you earlier.
1: Yeah, no, um, the problem is when you do this, it's easy to get lost and you start something, you're really happy and then you start tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and adding stuff and little by little, you're so far away from your, your initial idea.
0: Or at least for me, that's
1: something that's one of my, my my problems, I would say, and for this album, it was one of my requirements. It was part of this global idea of this universe. It was <laughs> one of my requirements was to stick to the initial idea, like stay as close as possible to um, the track, the way I started it. You know, and that's also why it's called primitive. It's uh, I wanted to stay close to like the primitive states of those tracks, then keep their essence. You know, which I tend to always lose when I make music. And for this one, mm-hmm. I forced myself to stick to it, even though sometimes it meant keeping things that I don't fully like or could be better, but that's the way they are right now and I have to stick with it, you know? So it was kind I of like a challenge, that. an
0: exercise. It becomes also like um, some sort of like like practice outside yeah. of, like the album isn't just the album. It's like, It's like you're putting this practice in to train your mind to, you know, you're basically you're trying to train yourself not to do something that you don't like doing. Yeah, exactly.
1: And it's something that I know I don't like. I mean, it's not, I say it's a problem, but it's not really a problem, right? If you get stuff done and you release it, whatever. Right. But it's just something that I don't really like in my, in my process. And I, I wanted to see if I could just go around it somehow and still release something or finish something.
0: Do you feel like after this going forward, you'll you'll like you've 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 corrected that or or do you or was it a challenge
1: uh i don't think it's possible to correct it unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, next time i'll probably be tweaking because yeah it just depends on on your on your idea and your initial requirements like i said and for example i i have some ideas for the next one where i would like to use only acoustic sounds um yeah. In this case, I might have to, again, accept some things just the way they are. Because if you record something and it sounds great, sometimes the best take is not the one that is perfectly aligned. You know, it's the one that is a bit mm-hmm. sloppy, but it sounds better for some reason. So mm-hmm. in a way, yeah, I might just uh, stick to this <laughs> newly acquired uh, skill, but uh, probably not. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably you could take not. some
0: of it, you know, with you. I mean, it's every every experience is going to... Yeah, yeah you know, of course. change your, your behavior going forward. So yeah, this sounds, I really like this approach though.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's a good uh, creative tool as well, like to just use that as a um, as your creative approach. Like you put something together, you just record a jam, like we were saying, and you, you say, okay, I'm gonna have to stick to this. I have to do something with this. I, I can't tweak it uh, in, in a million ways through a thousand plugins. I have to stick to this and from mm-hmm. there you just start building you know and i think it's also a good way to maybe disturb your your bad habits and stuff like that it's you know i think that's the way i was trying to go over about it
0: yeah I've, I've always had this idea and i've never actually tried it because i'm just like i i think it'd be really 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 hard but one it's of really my yeah. the thing that i get in my way of especially before modular when, but it even happens with modular, like modular, when I make, when I'm building a case, I try to cram as much stuff into that case as I can. And when I'm making stuff on a computer, like if I'm making a multi-tracked song, sometimes I'll get up to like 30 something tracks and then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that's kind of a nightmare to mix. Um, And it gets really busy. So like, part of me wants to like, could I make, you know, six total tracks? This is all you get, like every track. Every every single track on the album can only have six different elements or four or something. You know, like set this hard rule and, and see where I could go with that. But yeah. I've yet to do that.
1: One thing that I like doing, and I started doing it with this album, I think, is to commit and uh, use as uh, almost not use MIDI, actually, just process. Uh, if you record something with MIDI, just uh, flatten it and you know commit and keep the audio and get rid of the Mm -hmm. midi so that's that's one way to force yourself to stick to what you have
0: yeah you you just
1: you just make the decision to remove the track where you have your your synth set up you made a patch you like the patch you recorded something you destroy this patch you don't even save it and you just keep the audio that you you, you recorded
0: That's something I've thought about too. Yeah. is building like a, a like building out a total structure in Ableton, like a a simple drum beat and writing a a track around something that maybe sounds pretty straightforward and poppy and then strip away everything that's kind of solid about it and see Mm. what happens. But it sounds like that could get messy too, but it sounds like (laughs) a good experience. I mean,
1: it's part of the process, right? Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's like unexpectedly fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of random, but that's the the beauty of it, i guess
0: yeah, so back to your album, there's something that i was like i i always i could tell that this was't uh that you, that you cared very deeply about making it a cohesive piece and i I'm just yeah. like you like i i really like i want to make albums I don't want to make tracks um, yeah, okay. I want to listen to albums, I don't want to listen to tracks, and so okay, I get excited same. when I find something like this, and something that I noticed and I think is really hard to do. Um, but you did it very well is looping, you know, short, short bars or short, short sounds yeah. and kind of building upon that and making them stay interesting for a long time, even though it's very repetitive. And there are a few things where you're playing guitar, um, or it sounds like you might, were you playing a, ba- a live bass at all on this? Uh, no, I don't even have one actually. No, no. Were you playing, was it your, a baritone guitar or anything? No, it's just uh, oh. no, no. I have
1: a I have a jazz guitar and a, a Gibson SG and okay. acoustic guitar. No, no.
0: You were making some. I feel like some of the, the lower notes you were playing on guitar, you just mixed them very well to have very like rich low end on them, which I really liked. Um, yeah. But there's <sighs> there were little parts where I found myself like singing along with some oh, yeah. of the loops, like, <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. well. like I'm like, I'm listening to the record puttering around the house. And I realize that I'm like, you know, every time I, I know that part's coming and I'm just like doing like a, uh, or just okay. like, you know, wow. these little parts. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting for like a guitar loop to kind of break into that part of my brain that wants to sing along with a track. And I think that's, mm. there's something that's really interesting to me. And, and that made me kind of reflect on like the album title being primitive and I'm like oh it's like unlocking this like this thing that's inside all humans that makes them want to sing along or sing it all or make any sort yeah. type of
1: music interesting that's uh you, that's cool you always find new meanings I didn't think about that one though but that's very interesting I'm really really happy that you you feel that way that's
0: great. yeah I I mean it's it's I think as as I get older I try to try to find more I mean, I could I could be just, like, making all of this stuff up, but, you know, like, when <laughs> no, I find myself sense. singing along, I'm kind of like, well, why is that? And, like, that's kind of weird. I, how often am I singing along to guitar, guitar <laughs> riffs and, and yeah. stuff like that?
1: I do, I do, but uh, sometimes it's, yeah, it's just how you, you just feel it, right? It's like when you yeah. listen to some, some jazz records and you, you sing the sax lines, so it's just cool. Mm-hmm. But... Um, regarding your question about the, the loops and stuff, it's something that also was uh, part of my my idea for the album, was to have this approach um, to do things in, in a collage way, you know, put things together that um, initially maybe don't really work well, but just uh, as some kind of patchwork, you know, put things on top of each other and have them loop and maybe yeah. put something on top of it that would make you forget what's underneath. And little by little, bring something back, and yeah, it's like this approach of collage that uh, I try to stick to for the entire record, uh, but I think it's yeah, it's this idea that uh, um, you are know, trying to express with the loops, just uh, staying in the background and not being intrusive or anything, because they they mm-hmm. serve a different purpose in different times in the in the track, you know
0: definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it all sounds very intentional and well thought out, which I think Thanks. is a, a mark of markings of a good album. And then something else I wanted to talk to you about is your your ability to show restraint with like glitchy percussive percussive stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, I think a lot of like I love glitchy drums and I try to put them on everything, but it's always way more busy than i need than i want and then i listen to something like yours your album and i'm like this is try to do something more like this kind of take a less is more approach like was how intentional is that with like it seems like you spend a lot of time on your drums too or yeah, or yeah. i guess not drums but like percussive elements
1: yeah i wanted the, the album to be really percussive but in a subtle way Mm-hmm. Because I love percussions, I love rhythm. I think more than melody, actually. And, but I didn't want there to, to have like massive beats and stuff like this. But more like even with clicks, just uh, rhythmic patterns with clicks and stuff like this. And but I know what you mean. It's it's really easy to get carried away with drums and glitches and stuff. I I have the same problem to be honest. But it was one of the it was part of the the idea also to just take everything away and keep the minimum you know so it was part of the exercise because mm-hmm. you know by default i would probably be like you and add too much because it's fun <laughs> you just want to yeah. have more yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I did many percussions on on the album with the the fam. actually it's it's great oh for really okay stuff yeah it sounds really nice it sits uh, well in the mix and it just uh, sometimes it just spits out interesting things it's pretty yeah. cool
0: Really like it's a lot of the drums that i make i don't like actually plan i just start feeding weird gates into stuff yeah, until exactly it yeah, sounds yeah that's cool. what i mean
1: you just patch up yeah. the defam to some random stuff from from the Eurorack, and yeah little by little you end up with a nice little groove and on one track you can really hear this one i, I forgot which one it is um, <laughs> i forgot but you can clearly hear if you have a defam you would definitely recognize the the noise for example the, mm-hmm. the way it sounds and stuff and I, I just left it untouched. It's like the the defam track, the way it was recorded.
0: That's you know that's funny. You bring up something that that um, that I think about all the time, and it's like when you when you get into modular deep enough or into into particular you know types of gear, like you start recognizing. Oh, that's especially <laughs> yeah. stuff like rings or something like. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. a rings. Yeah. You know. Um, this one's and easy. I, you know. I made an album with a lot of rings on it a while, you know, a couple of years ago. And now when I listen to it, I'm just like, oh, Tim got a rings. And then, you know, my, <laughs> my friend had to remind me, he's like, yeah, but you know, not everybody who listens to this knows what that is. You know, like it's, yeah. it's hard to like remember, like not everybody's going to know that's a fam, you know, but the FAM no, people no. do.
1: <laughs> I guess it's, it's a bit more subtle than, than the rings, but I'm sure you could, I'm sure now that I say this, some people will, will hear the... The defam noise. I think it's on body language. The track body language, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, well, let's do
0: a let's do a raffle. If you can find the exact sound, <laughs> listener, that was from the defam, then mystery <laughs> circles will give you a free download code. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, uh, speaking of rings, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but I think some uh, recent Eamon Tobin tracks definitely sound like they could use rings, but mm-hmm. he's probably patching it up in a intricate way, and you're not sure. So that's like, kind of interesting, because I-, I agree with you, rings you usually recognize immediately. But on uh-huh. those tracks, I was like, I don't know, it could be rings. I know it is into Eurorack, but I don't know, it sounds a bit more complex than rings. I don't know.
0: I'm definitely starting to hear stuff like like in soundtracks and like modular is, is infiltrating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger. Cause there's stuff that I like in, in uh, in soundtracks and, and some newer songs where I'm like, that's, a, that's gotta be a morphogen, you know, like morphogen <laughs> is yeah. another thing that yeah, sure. I use all the time, but it, the, it there's definitely a zone of morphogen that you use where it's very clearly a morphogen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It has a sound.
0: It's just so good at doing that. That's what's crazy about a lot of these modules. They're so damn good at doing the thing that they do that so many people get into them and, it, and then they use it so much that it just becomes kind of everywhere. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess what's
1: fun is also to try and use them differently, like try and break mm-hmm. them, you know, see what they can do besides the normal mm-hmm. use. Well, at least I like doing that.
0: Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who uses rings and it's not, It's not, like, I can't tell what parts of his voice are rings and what aren't, you know. I'm I'm often wrong when I try to guess. So there are, it's just one of, the, especially with rings, it's just, it sounds so good. Like, you just plug a gate into it and let it go, and it's like, that sounds really nice.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and if you process it enough, it it can sound, like, super crazy and aggressive and pretty Mm -hmm. nasty, actually. It doesn't have to be, like, this nice... uh, wooden or glassy type of sound it can yeah. be really harsh
0: you know I think while we're talking about that I don't, we don't need to go down a mutable rabbit hole but I think the uh, the elements is I think maybe because it's so big but I think the elements is I think it sound has way cooler sounds than rings I think it's one of the coolest sounding modules I've ever heard
1: yeah um, it's really nice I don't, I don't have any music. mutable module in my in my rack but uh, I use it in VCV most of the time I just yeah. crazy patches in vcv and yeah i love elements it's so cool
0: it's yeah I, i'm um i'm borrowing one right now and i'm i plan on sampling it into my mpc um
1: <laughs> yeah you can you can i mean the variety of sound you can get from elements is nuts you
0: it's can, crazy yeah, yeah. it's um,
1: unbelievable actually
0: yeah it's funny it's like everybody listening or are like yeah everybody knows that mutable makes good stuff guys come on yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I,
1: and I, I used to have I, I had elements in my in my rack actually that's that's how i i know uh, what you what you're saying that you can create all those sounds but i don't know it's just too big and my rack is too small so i just yeah. to let it go but yeah, it's cool it's that you can one. find some of them in vcv at least and just keep playing with them like rings
0: yeah vcv rack is so so awesome yeah. um yeah, what, a, what really a great cool. resource yeah. um so how did you get hooked up with mystery circles i mean they're just releasing (sighs) so much good stuff and i think i think your album is it the first album on vinyl that is just a single artist i think they've only done compilations is that right Mm. on a on a 12 inch i know they've done seven inches
1: on a 12 Uh, inch i think yeah
0: yeah that's pretty cool
1: yeah i'm really happy about it um Good question. I think it was in 2019. So I, I um, made an album, I think in March or something like this. Or I finished it in February, maybe 2019. And I, I posted on Instagram that I was looking for someone to help me release it. And I think David reached out and he's really cool. He's super nice, super helpful. And we, yeah, we just agreed to release it on cassette. And since then, we just stayed in touch and whenever i knew i would just send him the next one and he liked it and we decided to put it on vinyl and cassette and so on and i'm really happy how it turned out he's he's really nice really helpful we we share many values and it's really cool to work with him
0: yeah he's he's a super nice guy i've been talking with him lately because i might be doing something with him wink wink cool um But yeah, I've, I've, i found mystery circles just through, you know, like I kept seeing like the, the logo pop up on, on, you know, cassettes that I was buying that (laughs) I liked. And I'm like, what is this label? And then I started realizing like one thing that I love about a good indie label. And I want, I I have like a digital label that I kind of half run right now. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a more of a passion project, but what interests me about labels is being able to curate a collection of what you think is good music and sharing your taste with other people and being like, Hey, I think I have a good ear. Um, and, and David definitely has that. Like, I just, I love the whole catalog. He has, he has a good ear. He's good at finding people to develop this kind of, it's almost like we're talking about a universe being a particular album. I think, I think labels can be their own kind of little universe too, Yeah, Yeah, you know? Uh,
1: what I like is that I think it's really open-minded. So there's just a wide variety of things that he's been putting out, right? It's not just ambient. Mm-hmm. Or there's, there's quite a lot of different things, and he just cares about the music, and that's one of the values on which we are aligned. I think is I definitely only care about the music, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's why it worked out. I think.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the one of the good. There, there are so many negative aspects to how music like how music has changed in the regard in regards to like the digital era with Spotify and there's, yeah. you know, you don't really make money off no. of albums anymore. <laughs> I also gave up on like this that.
1: idea a long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're not going to make money on your albums. Nah. Um, but I think when you take money out of the equation like that, when it's just more of a passion project, you get better stuff. Um, and so, mm you know, I think these small indie labels, like maybe they don't have millions of, of fans, but if they have a couple thousand devout fans, then that's its own little micro community that I think there's something special about that. And yeah, yeah. I just, I just love that, that that's happening. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, we are talking about people who buy music on Bandcamp, which is not the norm, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like people that are really into music and want to help out support the artists and actually mystery circles has been kind of growing since he reached out to me in 2019 it was uh, quite small and now he has i don't even know like three or four thousand followers and quite a few people just uh getting into it um little by little with all the releases it's yeah it's been growing a lot actually it's super cool yeah yeah. Wait, I sense. mean, I've had a number
0: sense. of mystery Like I've had people on and then not realize that they were mystery circles. Artists, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, man, I've got a have had a lot of mystery circles, people on the show. But um, yeah, there's yeah. just, so, you know, there's not a lot of albums that are kind of focusing album or not a lot of labels. There are there are there are a handful out there and I'm a fan of all of them, but um, that are kind of selectively releasing stuff from kind of this smaller community. Um, yeah. the subset community of electronic music and I, and I think that's really cool um,
1: yeah it's really cool that we can have that I mean I I didn't think I would ever release a vinyl record to be honest because it's quite expensive and yeah, it's a lot of work in general and I'm really happy yeah. that he helped me out with this it's like one of those things that I'm, I'm happy to check that I've done it's like one of those things when when you're a musician that you want to do I guess well, at least for me I don't, I don't really care about making money or anything but I yeah, it's like one of those little achievements. So Definitely. Yeah, really yeah, happy that's been something he that's helped up with this.
0: So cool. Yeah, I've always wanted something on vinyl and I and I haven't yet. Um,
1: it will come, I guess. It's just yeah, someday.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I have to ask you a question about the vinyl. Please tell me that you have it framed and hanging on your wall
1: uh no i don't but that's very simple i have nothing framed and hanging on my wall <laughs> not even that <laughs> nothing i'm terrified with the idea of putting shelves on the wall and like drilling through them. <laughs> probably i should at some point oh no that's not I'm- entirely true i'm lying to you i have one guitar laying, playing uh, my acoustic guitar is uh stick to the wall but that's it <laughs> that's the only thing i should do it you're right <laughs>
0: you totally should yeah yeah um cool well we're, we're we're coming up on an hour. I just had one more question about the album. Mm-hmm. Um, were you using any like older hardware synths? It sounded like you were maybe like sound like some of it was kind of dx7 territory. Are we using soft synths on this
1: uh so. no, no, I only have my analog for the peak. It might be the peak actually there's uh, you can make some pretty pretty cool fM patches there um, and maybe some soft synths here, but uh, no, I don't really have any classic or old synths here. Uh, okay, I don't have the space it just for sounds it. like a
0: really good mixture of kind of modern sounds with some of those, you know, um, early '90s yeah. kind of new agey almost. I, I love synths. those sounds. I love those sounds. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um,
1: you can get pretty realistic stuff with the peak. I don't know if you have a peak, but it's uh, the really Novation cool peak.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's like my num. That's actually the summit because it's got the full. Thing, oh, but that's a little. Yeah. that's a little out of my price range. But yeah, the peak is kind of like that is the that's the mod that's the the synth that I'm like if I could afford to buy a standalone synth, that's that's the one I want. It's really cool. Honestly,
1: it's, it's just, sounds yeah, it, it sounds great. It's very so easy good. to use. It's so easy to use. It's unbelievable. Everything's there. Yeah, it's your Novation does tip. awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have the summit, but it's so big. There's no way I could fit this in my in my studio. But, uh, <laughs> the peak, the, honestly, the peak is al- already quite uh, sufficient for m- most uh, users. It's just that it doesn't have a keyboard. But I don't really yeah. play keyboard, so oh, yeah.
0: That's see. That's why I want it because I I I'm more of a traditional musician and like playing guitar and a little piano. So like I. I like to, like, if that's another thing why I'm not really interested in sequencers. I don't like to lay notes down yeah. in a grid. I want to play them, you yeah, know, yeah. like on a keyboard or on a guitar or something.
1: Yeah, now you should then get the Summit. Actually, I made a, a sound pack for it, uh, I think last year, two years ago.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Innovation. Yeah, it's on the platform.
1: Yeah, it's on the platform. If you get the Summit, you can get the, the sound pack for free there. Oh,
0: that's awesome. It was a lot of fun. That must have been really make. fun.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It's,
0: so did they uh, reach out to you and, and say, hey, will you make us a sound pack? Or Yeah, pretty much. Pretty that's much. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was great. Th- and it was really th- fun, actually, because uh, I had no idea that you could get so many different sounds out of this, this machine. Because at first glance, it looks pretty simple. But actually, mm-hmm. when you start tweaking it, there's so many things you can do with. There's two modulation envelopes. There's uh, four LFOs. Uh, there's some FM. I mean, you can do a lot, and there's all the wave tables, obviously. So you can okay. do a really a huge variety of sounds, and the effects. You know, what's really funny good. is
0: like playing with uh, playing with those types of synths after being into modular for so long. Because I, I played with like Korgs and Nords and stuff before mm. I got into modular, but after getting into modular, I feel like I understand how to work a like a desktop yeah. synth so oh, yeah, so it helps much a lot. more. It helps, yeah, definitely. It's, it's like, oh, this is what all that meant,
1: <laughs> yeah, and suddenly, like the signal flow is relatively simple, like it's kind of static, and there's only a few ways you can patch them, and yeah it's it's easy to wrap your your head around, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, it's the same way like when i you were talking about earlier how I got into electronic music. I think I started with uh, Reason. I don't know if you know Reason, the, yeah. the, the software. I think it was version two or three, and that also definitely helped because you could flip the rack and use CV and stuff. Like, of course, it's virtual, but you could uh, use CV and gates and sequence stuff. Right? You, there was like that
0: stuff. virtual patch patch cables yeah. that you like. Yeah, yeah that's right. And
1: yeah. It, yeah, it was like a DAW that could do that. I think it was the only one back then. Yeah, yeah, one I, of my it,
0: one of my friends was using that and, and really telling me I should get into it. Right as I was getting into Euro Rack, yeah. and I was like, I'm not doing that with a mouse. I want real cables.
1: No, no, no. but it's it's great. It's, <laughs> uh, I still use it actually because now they they made it uh, usable as a VST, so you can just load it in your Ableton session. Oh, right? nice. Yeah, I still use it. Maybe actually the sounds that you were talking about uh, were from Reason. Those DX7E types of sound. Okay. Could be from... Reason. I think,
0: didn't noise engineering work with them and make a bunch of yeah. their modules as like as VSTs for a reason?
1: Yeah, I, I think they are cool rack extensions and yeah. the yeah. the Baseminus is there, I think, maybe a couple more, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I never got into rack extensions, to be honest, but yeah. it should be exactly what you have in, in the Basimulus but as a rack extension, I assume there's nothing yeah.
0: different. It's just software. Man that what a what a module that one is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're we're closing in. Do you want to do a patch challenge? Do you, have you heard of the patch challenge? Mm, yeah. I was wondering if you need me to prepare
1: something. I don't have anything yeah, well, you like could, right now. You can
0: do that you can do that after we're done and then you can record it and send it to me. Cool. Sure. So do. yeah, I'll give you some words which I can't find my, oh my I gosh. thought I had my patch challenge generator here. So you know what I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna <laughs> pull out a book. Oh. For my shelf. Which one? Uh, uh, this is called Future Sounds, The Story of Electronic Music. I've never read it. Okay. But I'm just going to randomly, the first adjective and noun that I see on these pages, that's going to be your, uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, this is kind of cool. Kind of It kind of goes into primitive, overriding humanity. <laughs> That's, so kind I guess of that's dramatic though that's more <laughs> of a verb uh, that's more yeah. of like a verb and oh noun this will be our the, uh, okay. this is the, the, hist- the history of the show's first verb and noun rather than adjective and noun I kind of like that maybe I'll switch to verbs and nouns for a while mm. okay. so you're overriding humanity with this patch my god that's
1: a big responsibility you're giving me there <laughs> let's see if I can I think it can handle up. it uh, let's see. <laughs> okay yeah I'll prepare something and just send it to you
0: cool is there is there anything that we haven't uh, touched on that you want to scream from the modular mountaintops before we sign uh, off?
1: not really I just wanted to thank you for having me on the show uh, yeah, maybe take one second to thank David again and Luke for the their work with the album and yeah, everyone else who's been helping out just uh, really really helpful and really, really glad uh, that people are enjoying it. That's great.
0: All right, let's check out Overriding Humanity by Arc Ray. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much to Arc Ray for joining us. Thank you to Patchwork Seattle, After Later Audio, Needham Woodworks. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here, please consider going over there and uh, joining up at one of our low monthly tiers. And if uh, again, if you want any of my music, um, I'll send you some download codes. Uh, Yeah, working on some bonus episodes. You know the drill. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, until next week.